0: We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. When we get started, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we are so grateful that we can come to your house today and worship you and praise you and to give tribute to the work that you are doing across the world. My prayer this morning, God, is that You will bring unity to this body. That You will allow us to love one another instead of lashing at one another. Father, that we would get so busy contending for the faith that we wouldn't have time to complain, God. That our focus would be so focused on You, God, that would consume our minds and our heart and I thank you for this flock your people and I pray for each one of their needs their pains their hurts their desires most of all God I pray for their spiritual growth I pray that we can continue to see your work here in this church in this community and throughout all of the world as we serve you and try to glorify you in all that we think, say, and do. God, help us to be Christ-focused as you are so needed here in our lives and in the lives around us in this community and throughout the world. Real people, God, with real destinies. and which need you in their lives. We love you and we thank you for watching over us, keeping us safe, protecting us. And I thank you for gifting this church with godly leadership. And I pray for each one of these leaders that you've given this congregation, this body of believers, to continue to grow in their faith and look for opportunities to glorify you on a daily basis. Father, be with us today as we look at Your local church. Help us to understand the desires and please make it clear and accurate to what Your Word says. You have given me, God, a tremendous opportunity but also a tremendous responsibility. And Lord, I want to handle and preach Your Word with accuracy so guide me through the power of the Holy Spirit that Your Word may be truth, that it may impact the people's hearts that are here today. And I thank you in the name of Christ. Amen. If you see this morning, we want to speak about the church. We want to talk about the church. And this sermon's a bit different because it's not three points and, and and you know finding the problem the solution and the result to that. I simply want to ask you three questions. Number 1, what is the church? Number 2, what is your relationship to the church? And number 3, what is your hesitation of becoming a member of the church? I want to first say that this is not some type of infomercial for Mission Bible Fellowship. It's not a segment during a television show in which tries to sell a product. It's simply a question. A godly church is a godly church. It doesn't matter if it's Mission Bible Fellowship, it doesn't matter if the Baptist church, or it doesn't matter if it's the church up on the hill. Question is, if it's a godly church, it's a godly church. So, what is the church? What's the definition of a church? Well, church is this the definition is a community of believers, those that have placed their faith in Christ alone for salvation, from past to present to future. The people that sit in this building in which we gather today those are the church those people are the church we are the church this is this building in which we come and worship is not the church it is a building in which we have church in You may say, well, you know, I belong to this church or that church. I attend Mission Bible Fellowship or I attend the Sealy Lake Baptist Church or the Presbyterian Church. But this building is not the church. And so the church again is a body of believers which gather together to make up the church. This passage, I think, expresses the desire of Christ for the church. He says, husbands, in Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. This was the reason for Christ giving up His life was for the church. The people. You and I. And all those that have become children of God across the world. Do we get that? Do we truly understand that? Who builds the church? If we are the church, the people... Individuals, those that are in Christ, my question to you is, who builds the church? Is it by our efforts? Or is it through Christ? Matthew 16, 18, I think, gives us a clear explanation of that answer. It says this, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Here we have Jesus meeting with Peter. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I will build my church. Christ will build the church. Jesus will build the church. The gates of hell will not overpower it. I'm concerned. I am concerned. As your pastor, as a Christian, that Christians today think because we put on some kind of program or some fun experience or some type of group or some kind of fun-filled breakfast that we are going to build the church of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, I will build my church. I, Christ, will build my church. You and I can't grow the numbers in this building. You look beside you and you see empty seats. We can't fill those seats. Christ will build His church. It's not our job. We need to stop thinking like consumers. This is not a marketplace. It's God's house. And it's God's responsibility to fill these pews. It's our responsibility to tell the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to uphold and remain faithful to God's Word as truth. Can a men's breakfast get people in this church? Of course it can. But it won't save them. Only the teaching of God's Word can convict the hearts of sinful man. I was telling Rob this morning, I read a passage in Scripture that I've never seen in my life, and I know I've read the book 20 times. He says this, The Holy Spirit is who changes the heart of man. And as I pondered that and I thought about that, I thought to myself, how many times have I, in my own efforts, in my own ability, tried to change the hearts of men? Even in my own children I see it. I plead with God, God, give my son a, a heart after You. But in my deep desires, I just want to cry out because I see that He's not there yet. And it doesn't matter what I do in my own efforts, I can't change His heart. I have to trust in God to build His church. God's Word convicts people's hearts. And so, no, we will not fill our time with meaningless chat that brings no man or woman closer to the body of Christ. We want to have breakfast in groups that preach and teach God's Word. It's our job to invite people to the church. It's our jobs to proclaim the good news from this place throughout the world. It is our jobs. It is our responsibility. God says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a command for you and for me and, and us as believers, not individuals. We are commanded to go therefore, And do what? Make disciples, not make converts. God will build His church. It's our job to invite people to groups, to breakfasts, to the glory of God. To train men how they can glorify God and and give hope to those who are not in Christ. Not to simply talk about football and baseball and golf and hunting or sewing or knitting or whatever the case may be. They can do that down at the bar. They can do that at the restaurant. They don't need us to do that. What is our job? To proclaim the Gospel. They don't need to come here to hear about those things. Are those things wrong? Understand me. Please understand me. No, they're not wrong. And I'm not saying we're wrong for doing those things. I want to make sure we have a good heart and a good attitude as we do those things. And understand that it's God, Christ, who will build His church. We need to hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word, of how young men should obey their mothers and fathers, and how it's good and pleasing to God, and how it will give them a joyful life, and that they will live long lives, as Ted Tripp taught us yesterday. We need to teach that. We need to teach mothers and fathers how they should father their homes through biblical teaching. How men should not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their minds. The glory of God. We need to teach men how to be focused on Jesus instead of the giants. We don't build the church. Christ does it. He does this through the truth, the teaching of His Word. And we have to get this. We have to understand this. I know it's ingrained in our culture, and our psyche, thoughts of consumerism. We give good. We give entertainment. It's going to bring people in. I don't see it in Scripture. Give me the book, chapter, the verse. What I do see that Christ will build His church, and we need to preach the gospel. It's not my job to preach the gospel. It's not the elders' jobs to preach the gospel. It's not the deacons' job to preach the gospel. It's not the congregation's job to preach the gospel. It's everybody's job. Each of us have a responsibility to Christ to proclaim the good news of Christ because people are dying and going to hell without the gospel because we're too afraid to offend somebody or we want to entertain them instead of giving them the truth of Scripture. Acts 2.47 says this, The Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Who? The Lord. The Lord was adding. Christ was adding. God was adding. We can invite, but we can't save. We must understand that. I hear a lot of complaints come to me through other people into my office about the activities in this church. They're not fun enough. They're not enticing enough to draw people into the door. You want to get people here, folks? Adults, youth, children, kids, mothers and fathers, divorced people, adulterers, you want to get them in the door? Compel them to come in. We don't sell them. We should compel them. We're not a supermarket. We don't need to look so great that it just... That's what's compelling people. Luke 14 says this, 23, And the master said to his slave, Go out into the highways along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. What does compel mean? Anagakazo. It gives us the idea of expressing a situation of need. That's what that word means. Compel them by showing them there's a need. Not a need to play some kind of fun little game. Not a need to look like the world... Not a need to tickle the ears of men. You want to get people in the door, express to them their need for a Savior. Express to them their lostness, their inability to earn their way to heaven. You can't help someone who thinks they're fine. We have to start with what's evil, not entertainment. We have to tell them about the sin, the separation that they have from God. How many of you have shared your faith? Don't raise your hand, but in the quietness of your heart ask, how many of you in the last six months since I've been here have shared the gospel of Christ? Now let me ask you this. How many of you have sent people into my office that I've shared the Gospel with that God has already prepared for you to share but you shifted the dude to do it and he came in my office and they accepted Jesus Christ? Why do you need me to do it? I want you to do it. To share your faith because it's real. And we see the need for these people and they're no different than I am. They're sinful, separated from God, but because of His great mercy, we can give our lives to Jesus Christ because in His great love, He first loved us by sending His Son, Jesus. Entertainment's not the answer. God grows His church, and we must understand that. But we will never be satisfied with simply teaching the Word of God. We will replace it with silly games, entertainment that has no effect on people's souls. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself to win the souls of people. That's God's job. Put pressure on yourself to share the gospel. Because that's our job. That's what we're here for. If we live as Christians and we never once shared our faith, if the statistics are right, they say 85% of people have never and will never share their faith. What do you have to offer to an unbeliever who you fail to share the gospel with? Simply teach God's truth, folks. Whether you do it in your Bible study, whether you are do it in your home group, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, simply teach God's Word. Do not listen to the culture around you. They say replace it. Replace it with this and get them in and build relationships. I had a woman in my office last this week I've never met her in my entire life. She comes into my office. She says, I want to I help serve at Loving Hearts. Amen. Let's sit down and talk for a minute. And you know what I did? I pulled out the blue book and I said, this is what we teach next door at Loving Hearts. And I want to make sure that as you're over there helping, if someone comes forward to you with a need or a problem, you have a script. You can pull out the book and you can just read it. You don't really have to know what you're reading. Just read it. And you know what I did? I just read it to her. And I got to the end and said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ today? And she cried and she cried and she said yes. And we led her through the plan of salvation and she prayed to receive Christ and when she got done, I said, how sure on the scale from a zero to hundred if you die today or Christ would come, how sure would you go to heaven? She said, 99.9%. I said, that's not good enough. Don't I have to do something, Pastor? No. That's the grace of God. Listen, if you've never experienced that as a Christian, oh, you're missing out on the great mercies and goodness of God. To see someone from beginning to end through salvation. But if you're not sharing it, it ain't going to happen. I don't care how good you are and how much you look good, that's not going to save people. We have to speak with our mouths. The salvation comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. When we start supporting as a body, as a church, as a unity, not only in Mission Bible Fellowship, but across this community, across this state, across this country, and across the world, when we start supporting the teaching of God's Word above everything else, we'll begin to move out of the way and let God do His job. But what we do in consumerism is we get them in, we get them to pray a prayer, and they're this deep. Their whole entire life, they remained this deep. They're 3,000 miles wide, two inches deep. And then when they get out there and and, and they stand before an unbeliever, and he laughs at them and tells them, you know what, you're a boneheaded idiot for believing that God created the world from nothing. We get discouraged. We start listening. We start listening to false teachers who who through half-truth, half-lie begin to creep in teaching false doctrine and it begins to infiltrate. Next thing you know, we have a big mess. The church is brothers and sisters in Christ coming together, assembling together Ecclesia, coming and assembling together. When we come here on Sundays, we make up the church. I like to say this, we bring the church to the building. And when we come and we bring the church to the building, we mean business. When we worship, we want to praise our God. Wendy made an example in her presentation that this woman... That had AIDS, prayed that God would heal her and that she would bring in all these orphans. And God answered her prayer through a miracle, and we didn't even clap. (laughs) God, the God we worship, did a miracle. It said in Acts forty two that they that God was adding to their numbers daily. And I find it interesting that this pre assumes they were counting. They knew who were those members within the body. So what is the church? Body of believers come together that have something in common no matter where you are across the continent. Whether you're in the Ukraine or you're in South Africa, when you stand before a brother in Christ, you have a something that people don't have a relationship as a brother and sister. And I'm sure Wendy can contest to that. As she met those people, there was a, a bond, a relationship that automatically came because they were both believers in Christ. So now that we know what the church is, let me ask you this. What is your relationship to the church? What is your relationship to the church? Are you held accountable through the church as individuals? Do you take responsibility in the affairs of the church? What kind of sacrifices do you make for the church? Christ made the best sacrifice for the church. He laid down His life for the church. What is your relationship to the church? Let me ask you this way. What is your ministry to the church? What does that look like? How do you, as a member... Of the universal body of Christ, serve the church. Well, I pay my tithe. No, that's, 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 that's not a ministry, that's a command. I come Sunday mornings to worship together. But that's, no, it's not a ministry, it's a command. Uh, Do you work all week and simply come here on Sunday mornings and then leave and have nothing to do with the affair throughout the rest of the week? What is your relationship to the church? Listen, I think that any relationship that only spends one hour a week in that relationship together would never amount to anything. I don't really need a PhD. to figure that out. Good thing is I probably never have a PhD. If I spent one hour a week with my wife, maybe two, maybe three, let's say four hours if I only spent four hours a week with my wife, do you really think that my relationship would be very good? course not. At least in most cases not. It just wouldn't work. But now if I love my wife like Christ loved the church and I poured out into her life and I spent time with her and I served her in all the ways that God has called me to serve my wife. Don't you think it would work out? Or at least have a a better chance? I believe that it would. I think the same thing goes for the church. Christ says that marriage between a husband and a wife is is a representation of Jesus Christ and the church. Paul tells us in Philippians 2:12 he says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Is he telling us that we need to have works to be saved? Many would say yes. But they take the verse out of context and they're teaching a works-based salvation. Ephesians, let's take it for example, who wrote it? Paul. Paul wrote Ephesians. And Ephesians 2 8 through 10 basically says it's not by works we're saved, but by grace. So therefore, either he's a liar, and the truth of Scripture is irrelevant, or we're taking it out of context. Because you can't have one and the other. But when we look at it, Paul says here, work out your salvation, it simply means this, fulfill your purpose. And your purpose is not for yourself, for your own gratifications, it's for the body. That's why I had Shane's father read Romans 12, 1-5. I plead with you, dear brothers and sisters, to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will accept. When you think of what He done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because we're all one body, and each part has a special function, and so it is with Christ's body. We're all part of the same body. It's not for yourself. It's for your brother, for your sister. Fulfill your purpose is what he's saying. That's what church is about. That's why we come together. To fulfill the purpose of the body. To live lives that glorify God. To do work in evangelism to seek spiritual growth, to be teachers of truth, to care for those that are in need. All these things are commanded in the Word of God says to love one another. That's why we see all of these one another statements throughout all of Scripture. It says, be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Carry each other's burdens. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances that you have against one of your brothers. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against one another. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. There's 44 of them. Why? Because our job in this church is to serve each other. That's our job. And this thing's driving me crazy. We can do things that glorify God or we can do things that bring dishonor to God. And let me tell you, one that's prevalent in our church is gossip. And I want each one of you to listen, please. I plead with you to listen. Do you realize that I know when you're spreading gospel? I mean, I come from a small town and we knew who was gossiping. And I come here and it's a smaller town. And we know who's gossiping. Listen, please. You're killing each other. You're not serving one another. James 4.11 says, Do not slander one another. Speaking probably of the tongue. If we can't hold our tongue, our religion is worthless. We don't have true religion. I understand that some of you didn't like Shane's sermon last week because I heard it in my office. Now, listen, I don't know who it was, but I know it's going around town. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, he may have said something that ruffled your feathers, and we may need to understand that when we're convicted by God, that we don't need to lash out against the leader of the church. We need to deal with our inner personal heart. Amen. I listened to his message, and the boy can preach. Amen. And he was dead on. Don't go spreading stuff around the town about one of the godly men in the church that the church has put over leadership in the church. Stop it. Please just stop, 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 stop. Be man enough, woman enough to address that person to themselves. Don't come to me with gossip. I don't want to hear it. If you have a problem with a brother, go to him in love. Say, Shane, you know what? Listen, I I have people that come to me after I preach and they go, I didn't like that. Amen, come on. Let's talk about it. But don't go tell somebody else. Come to me and let's talk about it like adults. That's what we need to do. That's encouraging one another. Challenging one another. If anybody wants to debate with Shane, I promise you he'd love to debate with you. The boy would debate about socks. (laughs) But his message was good. It was on. Contend for the faith. You know what? Instead of gossiping, how about contend for the faith? The time you spend in gossiping, go share the Word of God with people that don't know Jesus Christ instead of trying to lash out against someone that is in Christ. I was able to do that this week. And it went well. There's no reason to talk behind... Somebody else. Just go to the person. They're adults. And if it's something that they can deal with, it'll be good. And if not, maybe they need to be told. But I plead with you, stop talking in the community. It gives the church a bad rap. Why would I want to go somewhere? I hear it all over town. Stop it. I suggest you fall on your knees and ask God to forgive you. And stop chattering through the town. Gossip will divide. And if we are divided and not lovers, and you, if you don't repent of it and you continue to do it, I believe you crept in. Love your neighbor and do to them as you want them to do to you. I found this quote by Victor Shepard. Now, You may decide to write his name down and look him up. I have no idea who he is. He may be a heretic, but he's got a good message here. And it says this, We gossip too inasmuch as we are vindictive cowards who want to hurt someone without being held accountable for the assault. If we walked up to a person we wished to hurt and punched them in their face, we would be in jail for the assault. Then how to assault without having to account for it. Gossip. Gossip is the signature of the person who is vindictive and cowardly in equal measure. When you think about that and you think about gossip, it sure makes me want to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to be known as vindictive or cowardly because I don't want to stand face to face with somebody and discuss the argument. We're brothers and sisters in Christ for crying out loud. Let us talk in love. Let us put our concerns up for people that we want to hear. Don't let Betty Sue, or if that's your name, I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't go tell her so that she can go tell her or she can tell her or he can tell him and he can tell him and it comes back to me. If you got something to say to me, come on, I love you. I can handle I can promise you. Let's love one another. We're a body, and we come together with a purpose to take care of one another, to serve one another, love one another. That's why I'm so passionate about this gossip thing, because it shows an inner issue of envyness or pride or some type of heart issue. The gossip is not the issue. There's something deeper. But listen, Paul had it figured out, and he understood love. He had it figured out and he understood love. First Corinthians 13:2 says this: "If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains and but do not have love, I am nothing. We can be the most spiritual person, but if we don't have love, we're nothing." It's hard for me to stand up here and say these things to you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. God doesn't like it. So what is your relationship to the church? Is it a relationship in which it brings glory to God, or is it a relationship that brings dishonor to God? Do you know that God has blessed each one of you? as a believer, with a spiritual gift. So we're not running around here like crazy people, but God has blessed you when you received Jesus Christ. He gave you a spiritual gift that is not really of your choice. Romans twelve four through 8 says this, For just as we have many members in one body, all the members... Sorry, I thought that was a spider. about lost it up here. (laughs) For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, grace, something you can't earn or deserve, it's giving, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Prophecy according to those, um, if prophecy according to the portion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with the liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We've all been given a gift. And my question is to you this morning, do you know your gift? We, we can't function properly as a body if we don't look and try to find out each person's gift. And so, here's a website. If, if you've got a pencil and a pen, write it down. If you don't, you can call me at the office and I'll give you the website. This is a, a website from searchthescriptures.org. Um, it's a spiritual gifts exam. It simply ask you questions about who you are, where, where your desires are, and at the end, which it takes a while, it gives you prioritized what may be your spiritual gift. And then I want to encourage you to find those out, write them down, start living them out and start serving in those areas. And then what's going to happen is the leaders and the people in the church are going to go, "You got a gift of encouragement, man?" And then you know what? You can check that off and say, "All right, well I'm getting confirmation that as I serve, people are seeing that I have this gift. And now I can start exercising that, not for myself, but for the body so that we can operate in which God has the way He designed us so that He might do the work in the church and bring people to salvation and fill the church building. So we need to understand our gifts. It's important. Because if we're not aware of our gifts then we're not really serving the bodies we could. And we're not fulfilling the purpose within the local church. If you do not know your gifts, you can't fulfill your purpose. God's designed you for a specific purpose. is to function within this body. Or within that body. The local body. For the edification of the body of Christ. How can you do what God has designed you to do if you're simply a floating Christian? Nothing ties you to MBF. If this church doesn't offer what you want, you can simply go jump to the next one. What is your relationship? Listen, God has built His church in this gathering of local believers that God calls His church. You say, well, Stuart, I thought you said the church was the body of believers. Well, let's see what Scripture says. 1 Corinthians 1, 1-2 says, Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the church... Of God, which is at Corinth, the church of God, which is at Corinth. So I guess in, in light of MBF, we would be the church of God, which is in Sealy Lake. Okay, that's one. Second Corinthians one to two. Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, Timothy, and our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints. Okay. Who are throughout Achaia. Okay? Let's go to Galatians. Galatians 1 to 2 says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Churches, plural, many. And so Paul sees that we as Mission Bible Fellowship is a local church, a local assembly. God sees Pastor Bill's church as a local assembly. God sees Eric's church as a local body of believers. Okay? So we are seen as a church. It's not enough. Let's look at Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Verse 1. Paul and Silas... Timothy to the church of Thessalonica, the church of Thessalonica, okay? So there's a church, and there seems to be a main theme throughout all of Scripture, and all these passages, that there is a local body of believers, which make up the local church. So we are a local church in the eyes of God. Do you realize that in those days, people protected the church? If you were not a member of the church, you didn't have a letter. And if you didn't have a letter and you left this church and you went down to Pastor Bill's church, Bill would say, where's your letter? As a young believer, I remembered this taking place, actually. When I transferred from the Baptist church to Community Bible Church, he wrote a letter said, Stewarts in good standing with our church or whatever it said. I don't know. He sent it to the pastor. But Pastor Carl got the letter from Pastor Carl that expressed he's a believer, follower of Christ, steady working in the church. He's a good man. But I transferred my membership. Well, see, in the old days, they protected the church. If you got up and you left this church and went to that church and you didn't have the letter, they didn't accept you into their body until you could prove otherwise. It pre-assumes there was a local membership. Now listen, I understand that in Scripture nowhere specifically does it say you must be a member of Mission Bible Fellowship or or Community Bible Church or whatever church. But it does pre-assume that we as people should be members of a local congregation. There was protection in those days and we need to have protection in our days. Protection for you and your children and your families. There's a lot that comes with church membership. It's not about you saying, I'm, I'm, I'm under Mission Bible Fellowship. It's about a lot of other things, which I hope to show you. The Lord spoke through the church then, and He still speaks through the church now. That's how He works. And you should desire to be a part of the local church. To submit to its authority. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. It says this. It says, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account... Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Who is held accountable? The leaders. The leaders of the church are held accountable. And why do I speak to you in love and in passion over these things? Because I'm held accountable. As one of the leaders in this church, I'm held accountable for you. Well, how do I know you if you're not a member of the local body? I can't feel responsible for you as a member of the local body. We can't implement church discipline to bring you back to restoration unless you're a member of the church. There's a lot of people who come to this church that are not members. And I don't understand why. Many are committed to the Lord, but not committed to the church. And I submit to you this morning, if you're committed to the Lord, you'll be committed to the church. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. People in this church work themselves to death. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And that's consistent through all the other. Why can't we change that? Why can't we, even though we're a, a small congregation of people, why can't we make a difference that shocks people across the world? Look what Mission Bible Fellowship's doing. I believe we can. But we have to do it God's way, not our own way. Scripture teaches that each of us is under submission to the leadership of the church. You know, me and my wife, when we signed up with Village Missions, we had to sit down at a table with with the leaders of Village Missions and say, you know what? We will submit to your authority. What's that look like? Well, Stuart, you're going to have to go wherever we send you. Are you okay with that? I'm thinking Illinois, Kentucky. (laughs) Sure. Montana. Okay. Okay. Three weeks before we were to come here, this is when we were told. Wow. Stuart, will you be willing to stop homeschooling your kids and put them to public school? Sure. If I know that you are a man of God and you got on your knees and you've prayed about it, sure. God knows the desires of my heart and my wife's heart. But we had to submit to it. Now, while that is in mind, let us not boast in that leadership, but remember what it says, leaders of this church, in 1 Peter 1-4. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witnesses of the sufferings of Christ partakers also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sober gain, leaders, but with eagerness. And yet, as lording over those allotted to your charge, but proven to be an example to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive your unfading crown of glory. Leaders, when you stand up here and you preach, and people badmouth you, remember this. You will receive an unfading crown of glory. You preach the truth as Rob, Shane, Pastor Bill, and don't worry about what's said. You keep striving for the faith. It's preassumed, folks, that we become members of the local body. Not for numbers. Not for bragging rights, oh, we got more members. Because I could personally, personally care less if you were a member or not. But being I want to do it God's way, I think God wants us to become members of the church. Not for association, but for responsibility and accountability. Look, if you're not a member of Mission Bible Fellowship, how can we implement church discipline in your lives and bring you back into restoration? How can you help decide on the affairs of the church? I look at all these people sitting here, and then I look at our deacon, uh, our congregational meeting. Where did all the people go? Do we not? Listen, do y'all not care who the deacons of your church are? You want to vote for them? Be a member. We need your decisions. Listen, I don't know folks. I'm new here. And we trust as the body of members that we make decisions. I was pretty disappointed how many people I saw here during that meeting. These are the affairs of the local body of Jesus Christ, whom laid his life down for it. And yet we approach it like a daisical. I don't get it. But I understand. Tr- listen, I understand that we're all at different places. And my hope today is that you're not taking this as a whipping or a, that I'm getting onto you like mommy gets onto the babies or daddy gets onto his boys. Admonishment, because I love you and I want to see this church function even better than what is functioning now. So, my third and final question is this What is your hesitation for becoming a member of the church, the local body of believers? And I want to submit to you this five reasons. You may not be all five. You may not be all four. You may not be all three. You may, may not all be two of them. But I submit to you this morning the reason I believe you maybe have not submitted to the authority of this church as a member. Number one is I believe it's a spiritual issue. I believe it's a spiritual issue. Listen, the the exercise of church discipline according to Matthew chapter 18 and other passages such as 1 Corinthians 5, 1 Timothy 5, Titus 3, (coughs) presuppose that the elders of the church knew who their members were. They knew. But really we have no right to exercise church discipline to those who are non-members of the local body. And some of you are comfortable with that. I believe it's a spiritual issue. If you wish not to submit to that, then it's a spiritual issue. You see, God says you should submit to Him first. You know, Ted Tripp talked about this a little bit yesterday as we looked at parenting, uh, being better mothers and fathers, and I can tell you, what hit me hard is the same idea that I that I do with my kids is how we should operate as a church. It's a spiritual issue. It's deeper than me saying you're wrong for not joining the church. Now I want you to understand. Look past that and get down inside. What is the spiritual issue? Is it authority? Well, let's see. I don't understand why you fight it. Second thing I think it is, I believe it's a fellowship issue. I believe it's a fellowship issue. Philippians 1.27 reads this, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, serving together for the faith of the gospel. Now in my notes I have that highlighted, that bottom line, striving together. It's a fellowship issue. You cannot isolate yourself and expect to stay on fire for God. That's not the way He designed it. He designed it so that we could fellowship together and that we could bond together and that we could grow one another and that we could pray with one another. And I can go to to people and say, this is what I'm dealing with. I need you to pray with me instead of trying to excommunicate me. Just pray for one another. Tell each other, dude, this is what I'm dealing with. This is real life, real people. We all have issues. If you don't, you soon will. <laughs> you will grow cold just like the example I gave several months ago about the coal that's separated from the fire. In a matter of no time, it grows cold. It grows cold. It was intended that you stand together and that's my desire for you and this church and even for myself. By you submitting to the church, you say, I agree, number one, to the doctrine that this church is teaching. Listen, if you do not agree to the doctrine of the church, I understand why you're not a member. But at least let's sit down and talk with it. Don't be so convinced in your heart that you come and fellowship with a bunch of people you don't agree with. There's a bunch of churches in the community that you may fit better with. Listen, again, it's not about Mission Bible Fellowship. It's about the universal body of Christ working good together. And if you don't submit to the church, then you're failing to fulfill your purpose. I'm willing to stand together through the battle with you. I'm willing to submit to the authority that has been given to me the leaders of this church hold me responsible. And I can promise you, you as individuals hold me responsible as well. And I'm willing to submit to that. And to Village Mission. I probably have a bunch of more leadership than you have. But I'm willing to submit for it. To the fact that this is where God has me. And it's better His purpose than my own purpose. And I'm willing to stand together with you. You associate yourself with the local body of believers... And understand it's for your protection and for admonishment. And I believe that you will grow closer to the Lord as you do that. Thirdly, I believe it's an authoritative issue. An authoritative issue. Who's holding you accountable? If you understand that we as a local body do not implement church discipline in your lives for the betterment of you in restoration of your life in Christ, who's holding you accountable? Well, my husband holds me accountable. Maybe my wife. Maybe my kids. Listen, God has given the leadership of this church that responsibility. Not your husband or your wife or your children. God calls you to submit to your husband But God calls us as individuals to submit to the leaders of the local church. It may seem logical, but I don't think it's biblical. We should encourage our wives as husbands to submit to the leadership of the church. To follow in our footsteps, especially the leaders in this church. Why? Because 1 Peter 5, 1-4 says, but proving to be examples to the flock. We as leaders are the example to this flock. It's my responsibility and the elders of this church to teach and train you in the ways of the Lord The Word of God. This is our gifting. This is why there's qualifications for these things. We don't throw somebody in there and go, Go to work! There's qualifications. Why? Because we've all been gifted in different areas. That's why I feel comfortable leaving out of town, leaving Rob and and Shane and Bill and, and Tim and Tom and all these other peoples to preach the Word of God. This is how we help within the body. And I think it's an authoritative issue submitting to God's Word. You must first submit to God and then by doing that, I think you will wish to submit to His Word, which says submit to the elders of the church. Listen, I know this is hard for some people. I don't want to submit to nobody. That's the way I was when I was a kid. Son, do it yourself. Who are you, Dad? We need to submit. I know it's hard sometimes, but trust God, not your own minds. Number four, I believe it's a ministry issue. 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us that we are to minister to people. Ephesians 4, to 12 says, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some teachers, pastors, teachers, and equipping the saints for the work of service to build up the body of Christ. Listen, we don't need to be observers in this church. We need to be servers in this church. We don't need to be observers. We need to be servers. And when you become a... Listen. Just because you become a member of Mission Bible Fellowship doesn't doesn't mean we're going to say, you need to go do this, and you need to go do that, and you need to go do this, and you need to go do that. That's not my point. But we don't need to come on Sundays and walk out of those doors without ever thinking what's happening behind the scenes. We have... Responsibilities as believers, and that's knowing our gifts and serving within the body so that it operates correctly. And then, fifthly, it's an evangelism issue. What do Christians that have no involvement or association in the church have to say to an unbeliever? I mean, think about it. What do you have to say to them? You don't even want to submit to the authority that's been given over you. Come to church. Come to church. Sit in the pew and listen. While while I'm living my life the way I want, what do we have to offer them? We need to listen. We need to be able to say, "Come." Come into the body. Let us love. Okay? There's people who walk in this door that I see that I've never seen before and I watch them and I watch how you interact with them. And sometimes they just sit there and nobody ever says a word to them. What are you here for? Are we here for ourselves? We should be knocking chairs over to get to those people. Because we want to love them. And we want to become a member of this body so they can fall under the protection and admonishment of the leaders. And they can hold one another accountable. And they can pray for each other. And they can feel like we're in community together. We assemble together. This is good and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. What do we have to offer them? We don't even really have true fellowship with the church. It is no good if we lead people to Christ but don't bring them into the to the local church. This is the facility in which God ministers and grows disciples right here in this building. Whether it's Sunday school, whether it's small groups, we are the body The local body of believers in which are to train up disciples. God calls us to make disciples, not converts. Remember, God saves them. We train them through His Word, through His truth. And we all need to be encouraged, those that are not members, to take a stand together. And so we can look out and say... You know what? This person wants to submit to the authority of church. He wants to agree with the doctrine of the church. He really has laid himself out before God. That's the that's the people I want in my battle group. That's the people I want to fight through this battle with me till the day I see Christ face to face. We love you whether you're a member or not. And I want that to be very clear. If you are not a member of this church, we love you. And we'll love you no less if you don't become a member. You may not like these messages, but we still love you. And we will still pray for you. But when your life goes south, how can we help you? How can we admonish, administer to you through church discipline? See, we have this idea that church discipline is a horrible thing. No, it's not. It's no different than when you punish your children. You're disciplining them. Why? To get them back into a safe surrounding. Back to where God wants them to be. That's what church discipline does because what you're saying is as an individual which I was an individual in a church for a long time and I said I would submit to the authority of the local church and when my life goes spiraling I go to the elders and I go what do I do? I'm having an affair with my wife or my wife or I'm, as a husband I'm having an affair with my wife what do you, you see what they're doing? is the leaders of the church come together and they go this is what we as a leader a group of leaders think you ought to do and then you submit to it And through that, God will bring you back. He will restore you. That's what church discipline is about. But we can't do it. We are all one body. And each of us has been given different works to do. So what is the church? What is your relationship to the church? And what's your hesitation of becoming a member of the church? I want us nothing more to be than that church in Acts let us love and care and submit the way god wishes us to with openness and trust 1st Thessalonians 12:13 says but we request of you brethren that you appreciate those who diligent labor among you and have charge over you in the lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work live in peace with one another Listen, folks, we have leaders with these deacons and these elders who spend a tremendous amount of time. For, they don't get paid for it. I pray that this message will settle within your heart from someone who loves you. As a family and as a body of leaders, we want to see the best for you and for this church. And that means submitting to God's Word in every fashion. Let us pray.